Welcome to the Point Church Teaching Podcast. I'm Corey Ickes, one of the pastors here at Point Church in Fort Liberty. We seek to exalt Jesus and equip the saints through expositional preaching and teaching. I hope you're encouraged and uplifted from this week's teaching. Anyone ever find themselves in the middle of a crowd of people, but feel really alone at the same time? Anybody ever been there? About three of us. And so, I, th- I think that's something that's pretty common uh, in our context, in our culture. I remember after uh, at tw- the age of 27, having come to know Jesus in a pretty radical way, and, and got called into gospel ministry pretty, pretty shortly after that. And so, I-, I became a pastor within about three years, and I would go to these kind of ministry conferences or pastor's conferences, and I would be in this group of people, sometimes like thousands of leaders, and I would just feel like I didn't belong and feel all alone. Um, I think in, in our culture, they call that imposter syndrome, you know, but, and, and I would just, I would kind of have these accusing thoughts of like, hey, you, you don't belong here. Everybody else here is like holy and righteous and they're good, you know, ministers and preachers and, and all that. And you're just kind of like, you know, making this thing up as you go because that's how we felt at the time. Anybody ever been there in that kind of some way? And, and, uh, and so what, what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at, at um, the, the first community, the, the, the new church that's formed uh, in the book of Acts. And, and some things that, that we need to kind of cover. One of, the thing, one, one of the things is the way that it happens is that someone preaches the gospel and when the gospel's preached, it's kind of one of those sermons that you read it and you go, oh, it was pretty good. It wasn't mess, mess, maybe the best sermon I've ever read or, or heard, but there was a power that attended to it. The, the Holy Spirit like showed up and fell, and, and the Bible says 3,000 people came to know Jesus. Uh, most scholars believe that that 3,000 was men, and that there were, there were also some kids and some, some, some women that were, were saved in the midst of that as well. But, but the, the power, the gospel is what we, you guys talked about last week. The gospel that saves us from the penalty of sin, right? The gospel that saves us from the power of sin. And then the gospel that saves us, the people of God, from the presence of sin now and then going forward, right, for eternity. And that the good news of Jesus isn't just the get out of hell free card, but it literally like it sanctifies us. It continues to make us more like Christ until the day that He returns and makes all things new. And then that continues for all eternity. And so the Gospel, the power, that's very present in the text that we're going to understand and, and read today. But what I want us to kind of zero in on in light of that is this new community, these new people that come together as one person, as a family, and, and form this new community in Christ. The, the, the uh, Gospel, how we view the Gospel in our culture, in American culture, is very individualistic. We think of ourselves as kind of 
one of a number of individuals in the room. And we think of our families, our nuclear family, as kind of one of, of individual families in the room. And, and, I, and what I want us to see is that when the Spirit falls and the Gospel begins to shape in the, in the early church, there was a sense that they were one family, one people, and there was a difference there. The question we really have to ask is, in that moment in time where the Lord moved and worked, how did the Gospel change the entire known world at that time? How did that really happen? And, and one of the answers, not the only answer, but one of the answers is that it formed a community of people that lived out the Gospel together. And so that's kind of our focus this morning. We're talking about Gospel rhythms, but we're going to talk about how those are lived out together. Together. And I promise you this, for most of us who grew up in this American culture, it's going to challenge us. It's going to challenge some of the assumptions we make, some of the ways we live, some of the ways we think about the local church. And so I want you to let it challenge you. I want it to let it, I want you to let it like break in. I want you to open your mind and let the Word of God and the Spirit of God teach us together. Because here's the question that we have, and Marty shared a little bit about, hey, this church that now exists here in this place, what if this church that existed in this place came together as a family, together? What would it look like in this place and beyond this place if that really happened? We're not there yet. There's some good things we'll celebrate and we'll praise the Lord for. But what if the Lord moves in us in a way and forms us in a new community that, that changes our lives and changes the world? One person at a time. One family at a time. So let's pray this morning. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We're thankful that even in those moments when we are in a crowd and feel alone, or we're by ourselves and feel alone. Even in those moments when we doubt and fear, when we've been hurt, when we really don't see any way out, that You have ensured for Your people who've believed on You by grace through faith, that we're not alone. That we've been bought with a price. That we are being sanctified daily, moment by moment. And that there will be a day when all things will be made new. And until that day, we are Yours. And You are ours. In Jesus' name, Amen. So if you would, we're going to be in... I'm actually going to go all the way back to to verse 36 of chapter 2 in the book of Acts. And I'm going to read through 47. You guys want to join me in that. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. 
and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a gift. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many words He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received His word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now look, we're not going like through this whole thing exegetically like word for word because we don't have the time because somebody's going to go cook some burgers and we're going to spend some time in community. But what I do think, what I do pray is that we have a little bit of time to just kind of zero in on this concept, this idea that these people in the story, they were saved by grace through faith, like 3,000, and, and then they were together. The Gospel of Jesus brings the people of God together to form a new community in Christ. That's the idea. That's the theme for our day. The Gospel of Jesus brings the people of God together to form a new community in Christ. And so, we're going to answer a couple questions real simply this morning. Who is brought together by the Lord to form a new community in Christ? We're going to answer that question. And then we're going to answer the question, how does this new community in Christ live together? And then the last question we're going to ask is, what sets this new community in Christ that has come together apart? What sets this community apart? Those are the three questions we're going to answer. We're going to try to do that briefly this morning. And so the first thing I want us to see is who is brought together. Look with me in verse 44 and, and notice what it says. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. All who believed. And so who is it that comes together? It's all who believed. Like everyone. Like there's no, nobody that's excluded from that. It's all who believed. Now, this is super important uh, that historians teach us this, that one of the reasons that Christianity caught fire and has touched the world like no other religion, one of the reasons is because Christianity doesn't exclude anyone. Right? It's, it's for the rich and it's for the poor. It's for those who are, are marginalized in society and it's for those who have attempted to marginalize them. It's for all people. It's for all races. It's for all ages. It's for every person. That's the reality. You see that in all of the different peoples. The Gentiles, the Samaritans, all the people who'd come together for this festival, the Passover. Many had come together from all kinds of places. Some had, many had, had begun to practice Judaism. And there were converted Jews and they were there on this Passover. 
They'd come from all over the place. And they, they are they're practicing this, this, uh, this Passover together. And then the Lord shows up. The Gospel is preached. The Spirit falls. And, and everything changes. And it's everyone who believes. And those people, this diverse, ethnically, economically, religiously, culturally, political, like diverse group, they come together. Divisions. Now, you think our culture is divided today? Right? Everybody agree? Like there's some division. There's some, like, like we have nothing on the culture that was there. Like the gospel broke in and these people were enemies. Many of them were enemies. They show up in the same place and the gospel falls and, and God just moves and works. And, and the, the division then is it's changed. Now, we see that the church has to work some of this out later on in the book of Acts. But, but they come together. Do you see that? That's who comes together. One of the thir- first things we did is we, we planted point, and a lot of churches do that. This is they, they pray, and they're like, Lord, we really do want our church to look like Walmart. Right? Like we want, we want the community that lives here to, to be the community that comes together. There's something beautiful about that. There's something precious about that. And, and, and but, but here's the thing. Just because you want that doesn't mean that it happens. Darius walks into church. Like, I mean, you know, there's not many of us. We probably said there was 30, but there's probably like 18, right? We had the Baptist count, you know. And, and you know, so, so at that point in time, when you're a church planter, you're like, hey, you know, I mean, I, I need to know that guy and I'm going to chase him down and he's going to have to tell me no. You know, like, like I'm going to make him tell me no at least three times. Uh, and so anyway, so Darius had been involved in church planting. He didn't want anything to do with it. But we begin this kind of email conversation. And, uh, and he, he, you know, one of the things he says to me kind of down the road a little bit, he says, hey, I want my kids to, to have other people in, in the body of Christ that look like them. And I'm like, yeah, me too, man. Like, me too. I want that. For for the gospel, for the glory of God, and for the sake of our families, that the Lord would do something that, that goes beyond culture and that brings people together. Because that's what the good news of Jesus does. It brings people together. It brings Now, now look, there's, a, there's an element where it separates people. right? People who are far from God, people who are, are far from God, and they may even like be in your family. There's a separation that takes place. Right? There's a division that takes place. But the people of God, when they love God, when they've been transformed by the Gospel that we talked about last week, they, something brings them together and it supersedes all the other things that tend to divide us in our culture. And I want you to know this morning that the historical fact that all kinds of people were saved and brought into this new community is a God thing. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he served, he was a Welsh doctor, an elite person in society. He moved to London and he pastored a church and, uh, at, during World War II. Soldiers from all over the world who were Christians 
were in London at that time and would show up to his church. And then they would, and, and, and if you don't know anything, Dr. Jones was one of the, just a great, like great preacher, like, like one of the most eloquent preachers of his day and, and probably our day. And, and afterwards, he would open his study to people who'd want to come and just talk. And he said, when, when these soldiers who were from all over the world, from all different places in society, would come into his study, there was a sense where they realized that, and he said this, he said, they knew me and I knew them. There's something that took place through the Gospel that these people who never would have met except except for because of the war, they show up and they're in a room together and there's something that connects them, the Gospel, beyond everything else in this world. You ever experienced that in your life? You ever walked in that in your life? You have some friends, or some of us that are a little older, that maybe they're not like in our lives daily because they're in different geographic locations, but that those people would have never been in their life except for the Gospel. But your life is richer for it. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, well, I'm married to that person. But yeah, it's a whole other thing. And I, I just want you to know, I feel that way about Point Church. One of the greatest joys of my life is when the Lord really was clear to me, hey, you're not going to continue to be the pastor of this church. And we thought we were going to have to move to another place. And then the Lord allowed me to be here to be a member and an elder in the church. One of the greatest joys of my life to watch some young, younger leaders come in and lead well. And, 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 and I, I, I've been able to be in part of people's lives that I never would have been a part of. They would have never been a part of my life. I sit in a missional community. I'm like the old guy, right? I'm like old enough to be everybody's dad. They, and, and they remind me of that. But, but man, I'm, I'm built up. I'm encouraged. I learn from people that are new in the faith, that, 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 that grew up different than me. But, but there's a beauty in the together that takes place. They were together. Now, I want you to see this. They were together. They were together all of the time. These people were not just together on Sunday morning. They were not just together in the temple. They were not just together in their missional community. Like They went from house to house. They ate together. They spent time together. Like, they, like literally, you, when you read the Scripture, you realize like you can't get them apart. They're together. There's like a life shared together and, and these are people that wouldn't necessarily be the ones who live together. Now, in our culture, there's a whole lot of things that pull us away from that. But these people were together. Notice what it says. They, it says, All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distrib- distrib- distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, uh, day by day, you see that? attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. They were together. They were together. Now, I want us to think about a couple of things real quick. Real quick. In our culture, we've shifted towards individualism. This has been coming for a long time. Uh, Tim Keller says this, an old term that summarizes a Christian's life, practice, and spirituality is the word piety. For the past 250 years, 
there has been a steady move away from a focus on churchly piety toward more individualistic private piety. That's, back, back in the day, people didn't think about, hey, well, I've got to have my quiet time and i got to, right? I mean, you know, they did, but it, came, it flowed out of a corporate, like, togetherness, a body of Christ, the people of God walking together in Jesus. There's power, guys, in that. There is something about what took place in the book of Acts that wasn't just an individual like, hey, you know, I got saved. But it's like, hey, we got saved. Right? We got saved. Christianity is a whole lot more about we and a whole lot less about I and he and she. And, and I'll tell you, everything in our culture disciples us in the opposite direction. This guy, uh, he's a social scientist. His name is Robert Putnam. Putnam. He wrote a book, been a while. Wrote a paper back in the late 90s and wrote a book later on that kind of goes along with this idea. But this is what he says. He says, Civic engagement and organizational involvement experience marked declines during the second half of the 20th century. And then he goes into, hey, churches have declined. Why? Because there's this social decline. Like people tend towards being involved in their own thing. And he blamed that on one, as, on one thing, television. He didn't get into, hey, you know what, our, our, our phones that drive us, even in public, right, into this place of, of, of just being isolated, being insulated. Another thing, I hope, I hope for some of you, you really hear this, there's a tendency as a response in the church is to really focus in on this kind of idea that a church is really has an academic teaching focused place in my life. The teaching of the word is really important. We need to hear it. But that's not just it. The radio preacher, the 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 internet preacher, like like listen and 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 if they're if they're good teachers, listen and hear and respond, but they're not your preacher. They're not your pastor. Why? They're not involved in your life. Right? They don't share life with you. They don't see the secret sin that kind of comes out in community. Right? Like, like biblical community is like a different deal. Tim Keller says this, everyone says they want community and friendship. A lot of people show up here. Hey, we want to be a part of something, somebody. Everybody says they want community and friendship, but mention accountability or commitment to people and they run the other way. And so, so we're just going to be like straight up honest at point, like gospel foundation, like we're going to teach the gospel, we're going to preach the gospel, we're going to believe that it's going to change people for eternity, but we're also going to call you into family. We're going to call you into gospel rhythms that include other believers and continue to do that. If you get tired of that, I mean, it, it, this may not be the place. Now, we think it's so important that we're willing to risk you not coming because we know that's what you really need. We don't always want what we really need. Right? And see, anybody who's been a follower of Christ for any period of time, they'll tell you that Zach did it just, just now. When he shared his story, it was like he and Josh have walked together and he's grown in faith and he's able to then live out what we're going to talk about next week, gospel proclamation, as he goes out of here. you see that? 
I rarely ever hear somebody say, hey, I heard this great sermon and he exposited this word and it helped me understand and then it changed my life forever. I rarely hear that story. Now, are those things important? Don't hear me say it. They're so important. Man, they build on each other. They teach. They, they, the Lord uses them daily, like week by week. It's so important. But the real change often happens in community. The real change happens when you get vulnerable and you say, hey, this is what I'm really struggling with. This is where my faith really kind of wavers, right? And then you have others speak in, you have others encourage, you have others call you to the truth. A friend of mine who was an elder with me in a church many years ago, he, 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 was, he was from Maine, he's just kind of rural guy, and he would, when he was a kid, he'd go and collect rocks in the, in the riverbed. And he had this tumbler, and he'd bring them back, and they'd be all muddy and kind of ugly, and he would put them in the tumbler, and they would kind of tumble and, and do their thing, and he'd pull them out, and they're shiny, and they're all different kinds of beautiful colors, right? And he said, that's like the church. Like, like how we really grow and how we really flourish is like we get in together in this thing, and we bump up against each other. And man, sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's a little painful. Um, guys, I'll be honest with you. Like, along the way, if you live this way, there will be people that, that, that fail you. There'll be people that hurt you. There'll be people... I, I, have, I have some folks that, that in my past that I like poured years into. And, and they've walked away from the Lord. And it's hard. I've had people turn on me when I genuinely, I think, like, you know, as I look at my own soul, I think I just loved them and I walked with them and, they, and, and it's painful. Anybody have any of those stories? Some hurt and some pain and some sorrow. But see, the beauty is, is better. The beauty of Christ is better. What He's done, the beauty of a relationship that's built on the foundation of Christ Jesus is better. The beauty of a, of a missional community of people who are coming together and it's a little messy and you got new believers and you got people from different places and there's some questions and, and there's some things that are said. You're like, oh, I don't know about all that, right? But then there's truth spoken in and there's repentance and there's grace and there's love and, and there's people who've begun to isolate themselves for a year, you know, because, because they're hurting. You ever been in, a, in a, hard, a dark place, a hard place because you genuinely are hurt? And you kind of back away from community because you really don't want anybody to see the gaping wound that's there in your life. And then all of a sudden, that person with the gaping wound gets to be loved on a little bit and comes back into real community and, and leaves isolation and insulation and you see healing begin to take place. And that's what the Lord does in His people and in His church. The bride of Christ is messy, sinful, and beautiful at the same time. The second question we're going to answer, not only who comes together in this new community, but how does this new community in Christ live together? Now look, you guys talked about this a little bit, so I'm going to keep this kind of brief. But here's what happened. They devoted themselves. Look with me in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. They, they, they devoted themselves to the Word, to, to love one another in fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which is, is both 
just, hey, eating together, but also there's a liturgical aspect, a worship aspect. They worship together, and a personal worship. And then there's, there's praying. Those four things they devoted. That word devoted means they gave themselves to. Like it's a sacrificial thing. Like they gave themselves over to it. They, they committed to it. They were con- constant. They were steadfast. They, they, they completely just, just gave themselves to that. That's why they were together all the time. Because they were devoted. And so, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is our devotion weak? Nominal Christianity, and the question has to be asked, is it Christianity at all? Right? Because see, a mark of being changed by the Gospel is this devotion to people, one another, to the Word, to prayer, and to the breaking of bread, to the, to the, like the, the, the corporate worship and the corporate like, com, you know, the communion. If our devotion is weak, should we repent but also ask, do I really believe this Gospel? Do I believe this good news? Do I believe that it is changing me? Do I believe that the Lord will continue to use other people in my life? I think we tend towards self-protection, towards kind of personal safety. In our community here in this church, we understand that for some of you, you're here for one to three years. That's it. If, if, if we get that. And so there can be kind of this self-protectiveness. I can only imagine like how some of you guys kind of enter into this life. There's kind of a sense of like, I'm just going to kind of protect myself and I'll only get to know you so much. But see, here's what you miss out. You miss out on the beautiful people that God is forming here in this place for this moment in your life. That's what you miss out. Busyness. I'm getting ready to meddle. But it's in, I'm preaching to me, preaching to us. I'll give you a little personal experience. We live in a culture that busyness is like, is, is, is seen as a good thing. People you, used to say to me all the time as a pastor, I know you're busy. And you know what I realized over time is like, I, I must have kind of put out that vibe. And I'm like, okay, so I'm here and I'm an under-shepherd to the people of God and they think I'm too busy to hang out with them and to spend time with them and to pray with them and to walk with them. How sad is that? Right? How sad is that? We should never be too busy for one another, y'all. And look, that's going to take like taking steps of faith. That's going to take like saying no. We have 168 hours in the week. If you're doing really well, you're going to sleep 64. Most of us is less than that, right? But you got so many hours. And so here's the thing. At point, what we've tried to do is say, hey, we're going to spend a few hours on Sunday morning. We got to do the setup thing. And then we're going to do missional community. And every other week, we're going to do DNA group. The DNA group is where we dig into the Word. And it's really like personal accountable. Like the Word is the center and the focus. We're going to discover the Lord in His Word. We're going to nurture one another in the Word. And we're going to act. We're going to obey what it says. Together, but it's maybe in smaller groups, kind of same gender. And then the missional community is where we do mission and community. Yeah, the Word's going to be there, but that's not the primary focus. The primary focus is one another. The primary focus is family. The primary focus is our neighbors who don't yet know Jesus. 
The Bible says that the world will know us by our love for one another. Do you believe that? But you know what's even better? is for some of you, you don't realize that you can really love the people in this room. You've protected yourself for so long. You've decided that you can only love certain kinds of people and you're missing out on the, the diversity of the kingdom and the beauty of God that, that takes residence in the lives of people. And when you come together with other folks, like it can, it can change your life. And so I'm calling you into this life. Like, right? I'm calling you into this life of gather on Sundays. Be here. Not because you're fulfilling a quota. Not because you're doing the right thing. Not to check off a box. Because when you're not here, you're missing out. You guys know my, my job takes me out on Sundays to preach at other places. And, and every chance I get, I'll swing by here on the way. Why do you think that is? It's not for y'all. Right? Like, I ain't got nothing... To give, you know, in 15 minutes, but sometimes it's like, you know, just getting to see the people of God that God's put me in, in a family with, right? Just to see a face, to hug a neck, to speak to a kid, right? Like this. And, and so gather. Gather in missional community. Man, I, I look forward to that. I've been in church for many, many years. I've been leading and, and this is like a sweet season of ministry and life. Like, like the people that I get to hang out with and MC, it's a sweet thing. It's a beautiful thing. We laugh. We joke. There's, there's so many children, y'all. So many kids in our group. And like, it took me forever to even begin to learn their names. But it's a beautiful thing. We can't always pay attention. We can't always like do everything that the adults would want to do. But there's something about family. There's something about community. I watch people begin to love each other and care for each other and do all of these one another's, all of this like generosity and looking out for one another. I watch it happening naturally. It's not a program. It's just the people of God doing what the people of God do. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. I want you to be a part of that. Not for me not for a program, not to check off a box, not to count a number, but because it's going to change your life and your kids' lives. Busyness. My oldest son is six foot seven. People always look at me like, is he really your son? And he's like, yeah, man, he's really my son. Six, seven. And so I kind of had this idea that he was going to be a really good athlete. I told him, hey, football's easier than basketball to kind of break in, but he didn't listen. And so he, he did the basketball thing. We did the, like, traveling around the country travel ball thing. And, and you know what he told me a couple years ago? Dad, that was a complete waste of time. We should have never done that. And I'm like, bro, I wish you would have said that 12 years ago. It saved me money and time. <laughs> and, like, it, it, it saved me the time. Y'all went to New York, and those guys beat you 87 to 9. <laughs> But I just want you to know, guys, like your kid's probably not playing in the NFL or whatever thing you want them to play in. Probably not going to get a scholarship. But here's the thing. What's the cost? What's the cost? I had this Kia Sedona. I would take Luke and all of his teammates to football practice at home before he got a car, and that thing stunk so bad, man. It was awful. 
It was the worst. I, I really had just kind of given up. And finally, when, when so, so I, I went a while, and I put gas in it all the time, but I didn't put oil in it all the time. Middle of the summer, Fayetteville hot, 105 degrees. I'm driving down the road, and that thing starts to knock. Anybody heard that? You're probably not as dumb as me, so you hadn't heard that noise. And then by God's grace, I put gas in it. I mean, I put oil in it, and it was fine. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sometimes when we neglect relationship, community, we miss out on. It's destructive. It hurts our lives, and we don't even know it. I was driving down the road. I thought everything was fine, but the, my neglect led to what was potentially destructive. You know, it, it didn't end up happening. But I just want you to know, don't neglect the, the fellowship. Don't neglect the Word. Don't neglect any of these things. Devote yourself to them. Give yourself to them. And here's the thing, if it's just not in your heart, if you're just not excited about it, get before the Lord and just confess, like, Lord, these marks, these signs are not in my life. Be honest with God. You won't be the only one in the room that's done that in the last couple of weeks, I promise. I promise. To devote yourself. What if there was a gospel community of people who've been saved by Christ and were devoted to the Word, the fellowship, just love? Devoted to prayer? Devoted to one another? What if? What if? The breaking of bread. Last thing, what sets this new community in Christ apart? There's a lot of things here. I'm just going to mention a couple. Day by day, attending the temple together, verse 46, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Joy set them apart. Generosity set them apart. Praise set them apart. Notice what it says, praising God. And they were had the favor of all the people that set them apart. There was something special about these people. There was something different. Do you see that? Let's focus in on one. They praised the Lord. They were praising God. All of the difficulties, all of the persecution that was to come, all of the craziness in their lives. Listen, these people had come from all over and they're living in Jerusalem. I'm sure their, set, their, their setting wasn't all that great. They stayed there for months. We don't always recognize that. In this, There's thousands of people who just kind of hung out and stayed in Jerusalem to be together. Ultimately, persecution pushes them back out to where they came from. But here, in this text, they praise the Lord. What if praise was a marker in your life? What if joy and generosity was a marker in our lives? Together, Right? You ever met anybody who just praised, just kind of came out? Praise the Lord. You looked at their life and like, man, they, their life has got some challenges, but they just praised God. What if that was the marker at point? Now here's the thing. We can make a decision for it to be a marker, and that's a good thing. But, but the only way that that really takes place is that the good news of Jesus transforms us. We are devoted to the things of God wholeheartedly. We give ourselves to them. And then He produces in us this joy and generosity. And, and so here's the thing. You can't do this on your own. 
We can't do this on our own. We can only do it if we give ourselves to the Lord. We give ourselves to one another. We give ourselves to His Word. And we trust Him. But if we do, what may the Lord do? And so I just celebrate this morning. And I just want you all to know, like this season of my life, the last five years since we moved here, man, it's really been hard. By far the hardest five years I've ever put in a row. Right? But there's so much to praise the Lord for. There's so many friends that I would not have had. Right? We see them go and we're like, man, that stinks. But it's a whole lot better to have had them for a minute. Right? And so I just want to call you to this together. Let's do this together. Step into it together. It's going to be messy. There's going to be some pain. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily as um, just organized and everything in a row like some of you really want it to be. Right? But it is organized. There's a pathway that's a lot more clear. Praise the Lord for some, some Josh and for Corey and just some of the things that God's done in their lives through them. That, that this is like, like there's a pathway forward that includes all of us and, and, and many more as we walk forward together. And so let's step into this together, these gospel rhythms. Real quick, I just want to show them to you and we'll be done. So these rhythms, the foundation is the word in prayer. Bless. Everybody say that with me. Bless. All right. It's a, it's a, is it an acronym or an acrostic? Yeah, I don't know. I get those two confused. But anyway, it's one of the two. So go to the, go to the B. So bless is for bless. That's easy to remember, right? I'm just going to read these. We intentionally bless others through serving, encouraging, giving, and thinking of those around us. Instead of focusing on ourselves, we focus on others. Very biblical. So in our MCs, in our, in our corporate life, we, we think about, we talk about this. We bless people, okay? Go to L. L, we listen. We intentionally listen to others through questions, focus, and attentiveness to their story and who they are. How many times when you come across somebody in your life that just listens, that you find out that you feel loved? Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah, man. It's big. It's big in our culture. To love someone through listening. Keep on going. Eat. We intentionally eat. This is the whole breaking of bread through sharing our meals, drinks, and moments around the critical necessity of, of nourishment. Here's the thing. 21 times we eat. Maybe some of you eat a little less, whatever. But, but, but we eat. And so what if you did that a couple of times a week with other people? Right? Just, just, encourage, just like, you're going to do it anyway. Spend time. And, and then what happens is when you eat with somebody, you know them better. Chris and I ate together a couple of weeks ago. We, we know each other better. I know his story. He knows mine. Like, there's something that happens in that. And so food is not just something we have to do, but that historically, through history, food is, a, is, is, is an important thing. If you ever get a chance, look at the book of Luke and how many times Jesus has meals with people. It'll blow your mind. Beautiful. We speak intentionally 
the truths of Jesus by graciously and boldly proclaiming the gospel in all scenarios of life. That's not just with people who don't know Jesus, but also with people that do. Like, we have to encourage each other. We have to, we have to speak the truth of the gospel. Do y'all know how many times that somebody in my life has to remind me, hey, like, Jesus is on the throne. He died for your sin. Like, like he, he rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He poured out His Spirit. The Spirit of God is active in your life. Live like it. Right? We need that. We speak. And, and look, and then when we go outside of the church, we already have practiced speaking the gospel to one another, so we speak it to whoever listens. I had the opportunity to share with a guy named Corey this week. He was drawing blood. And I just, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to say, hey man, do you follow Jesus? That was my opener. Just a little bit, you know. Do you follow Jesus? And he's like, yeah. And then he kind of went on to tell me that he probably wasn't, but... but Great conversation. Talked about the gospel. Like the lady had to wait behind me, right? But, but you know, because I, I get to speak the gospel to the folks in this church, it, it just encouraged me to speak the gospel to Corey. And I think a lot of people named Corey need Jesus. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, then the last one. So this is an S. So, so like this is kind of like corporately, slow down, recreate. Okay? Like, in corporately, we intentionally work and rest and enjoy the fruit of the gospel and the fruit of God's creation. See, here's the thing. God's, his, he's, he's accomplishing His mission in us, and He wants to accomplish His mission through us, but sometimes we have to slow down and actually just walk together in life. And so, so this second S is like, hey, we're going to actually have some fun together, spend some time together, and, and, and that's going to mean probably saying no to some other things in order to really be family so that we can love one another so the world will see. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Father, we love You. We praise You. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for uh, this picture, this historical picture of the, the New Testament church as it formed. And Lord, we know that it's not this perfect church. It's not an ideal church. It's regular, everyday people who have been changed by the Gospel. And they lived as blessings in one another's lives and in the world. And Lord, that's what we ask that You do in us and through us. We love You. I'm thankful for the people in this room, Lord. I'm thankful for the family that You are building. And Lord, we make no bones. We recognize that we fall short of Your glory. But Lord, we also sense that You're doing something here. We thank You for this family. We thank You for these people. We thank You for the joy of the Lord. And Lord, we praise You for who You are and what You've done. Put that praise on our tongues, God. Let us be people of joy, of generosity, and of praise. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be a part of what God is doing here at Point, connect with us at www.pointchurch.live. Thank you.